Ion 2020, episode 52. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Ion 2020, uh, the place that you come to every day for all the news and the events with the lead up to this 2020 election. My, na- my name is Ray Eaton, I am your host, and I appreciate you coming out and listening today. That was my son participating at the beginning of the episode, saying Ion 2020 episode 52, and that is what this is, episode 52. Uh, so I appreciate your listening ears, I do, and I uh, certainly hope that uh, you like what you've heard in the past, and if you're a first-time listener, I hope that you like what you hear today. Uh, go ahead, if you can, if you like what you hear, subscribe to the show, and that'll put this podcast into your pod catcher tomorrow, and uh, you can listen to the show tomorrow, the next day, and then into the future, and I'll be going until December, or excuse me, November of 2020. I might go a little after the election, I'm not sure, and uh, just bringing you all of the news with related to these with related to these candidates and what their positions are, what they're thinking, the news that's going on, uh, bringing you some of the party highlights, things like that. Uh, That's what I'll be doing every day, Monday through Friday for you, so I appreciate your listening ears, Uh, but if you can subscribe, that would be great. And then go ahead, if you would like, give me a five-star rating and a review, that would be nice of you to do as well. If you like what you hear and you like the, you know, you like the podcast on a daily basis, then you might as well just go ahead and rate the show and review the show as well. If you don't like what you hear, you can go ahead and reach out to me through Twitter, and that is at Eye on the Empire. And I also, if you didn't hear this yesterday, I also went ahead and got the website domain name, and it's www.ionthempire.com. I'm an old school guy, that's why I said www before that. All y'all younger people listening. I know you don't even need to type that in anymore. So, uh, But I appreciate you listening, and I do. And if you want to go ahead and go to the website and check it out, I'll just be posting you know, the show as well as some news events. And I, I'll start blogging over there as well pretty soon. Uh, Twitter, I go ahead and throw up any news articles I see that you might be interested in reading with regards to the empire that we live in. Foreign and domestic issues, that's what I try to focus in on the webs are on the uh, Twitter handle that I have. That's at I'm the Empire. So uh, go ahead and do that. So hey, you know what happened? I was doing the show yesterday and I published it and then like 10 minutes later, I think it was, it might have, I, I see the, I see the uh, news article pop up and it says that Beto O'Rourke is now running for president. And at the time yesterday, I was saying that I thought that he would probably decide to run on Friday because he was going to be going to Iowa this week. And usually these candidates, it seems like they've been announcing their candidacies on Friday. But he went ahead this morning, early in the morning, sitting at his kitchen table, uh, did a little, I guess, a YouTube video of some sort. 
and went ahead and announced that he is going to be running for president. And he said that he thinks that he would be able to counteract Donald Trump's idea of the border wall because he lives, I guess, you know, two blocks from the border. I guess he was sitting on his porch or something or behind him. You're able to see the the U.S. border with Mexico. And he said that uh, there's no issue with the border and everything else. So apparently that's going to be his primary thing that he's running on. Uh, Julian Castro is running on that as well. So I guess, you know, when you have the pendulum swing one way, which is Donald Trump fighting for this border wall, Donald Trump making that the biggest issue of his campaign right now, or originally that was a huge issue in his campaign, and now it's the one thing that he says he hasn't gotten done is the border security issue. So the pendulum has swung really far towards Donald Trump making this a huge issue. So the pendulum is swinging with these candidates, uh, Texas candidates that are going to be making that one of their primary issues. Julian Castro, Hispanic gentleman, I think he's uh, his parents were Mexican, but he was born in the United States. And Beto O'Rourke, I believe he is uh, of Hispanic descent as well. And he's going to be, anyway, he's going to be running for president. Those two right there from Texas, and that is going to be their issue. My thing about Beto O'Rourke is this, he had a failed campaign for Senate, the Senate in Iowa, right? Or not in Iowa, sorry, in Texas. He had a failed campaign for the Senate. And, but his, his views must have resonated a lot with Texans because he barely lost. And... His, it said, one of the articles that I read said that his campaign, you know, the people that were running his campaign for him said, you know what, we lost this, but we're going to set our sights on something greater, the presidency. And I guess he's just riding the coattails of his campaign. He had a lot of uh, national press going on at the time, and he must have had a, he must have had a huge amount of money that was left over in his, in his campaign coffers, right? So he could transfer that into the presidential campaign as well. And uh, might as well spend that money in Iowa while you can try to drum try to drum up some support in Iowa. Supposedly, if you listen to the show yesterday, he did have a lot of support in Iowa about a month ago. But I mean, that's been fading as more people announced their candidacies, as well as he, you know, was kind of on the fence whether he's going to run in the first place. So people stopped supporting him. That name recognition maybe has gone down since then, and also. You know, other candidates have come out with maybe more of an impact, more uh, aggressive policies that people like to hear about. I don't know, but this guy is running, and I what I wanted to do is just hop onto his website with you and see what his issues are going to be, because usually you can see from these candidates what their issues are going to be right off the bat just by hopping onto their website, right? And his website is secure.actblue.com. So that's a very generic, um, I think it's like a, actblue.com is a website that seems like a lot of the campaigns use it for their donations and for people to donate to the campaigns. And if you type it in actblue.com, I think I went to the website. Yeah, okay, so whenever I put in Google, I put Beto O'Rourke president, president campaign website. And then the first thing that comes up is an ad, official Beto campaign, support the campaign today. And then it takes you to secure.actblue.com backslash official Beto backslash founding member. So they say that this is not a pack of any sort. 
this Act Blue, but it is a donation website. And I think when I donated to the Tulsi Gabbard campaign, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but I did donate $1 to her campaign uh, way back when, because I think in order to get onto the debate, debate stage, these candidates need to have uh, 65,000 individual donors to their campaigns. So I donated to her campaign $1 just because I like her on the foreign policy issue. And I thought that that would be an important thing to have on the debate stage when the time comes. If she could be on the debate stage for the first couple of debates, she might be able to get some traction. But the most important thing in my mind is to have her on the debate stage to be a counter voice to a lot of these candidates that are going to be, you know, flip-flopping on foreign policy as well as, you know, a soft voice on the foreign policy message. Whereas she, Tulsi Gabbard, seems like she's a very hard voice, you know, a loud voice against foreign intervention. And I think that that would be a nice thing to have on the debate stage. So I went in and voted, or not voted, I went ahead and donated $1 so I could be one of the 65,000 individual people that didn't do our campaign so let's clear that air but the reason why i bring that up is because the website that she had i believe it was actblue.com also so they must offer some of these less um well-funded campaigns <clears throat> or maybe act blue is a campaign a way for the campaigns for even congress senate state senate and so forth the democratic party maybe set up this actblue.com in order to help these people to be able to raise donations a place for people to donate and then they could set up a web page for those donations with like some basic information on it because if you look at this website all it is it says beto for america and then it says be one of the first to donate to beto our campaign will be different. We won't be taking a dime from lobbyists, PACs, or corporations. We will fund this effort without help from any special interests so that we can be sure our democracy democracy is once again powered by the people and only people. And then it says amount, and then it he gives you the option obviously to donate the full amount, twenty the full amount that you're allowed to donate twenty eight thousand, as well as five, twenty, fifty, a hundred thousand, five thousand, sorry. So then it says contribution rules, and it says I'm not making this contribution with a card issued to any political action committee. I'm not registered federal lobbyist, I'm not a federal contractor, I'm at least eighteen. So you're gonna follow some certain rules and He's trying to say that he's not going to accept money from any PACs and everything else. So when it says also paid for by Act Blue and not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. So this Act Blue seems like it's a PAC and it's and it's a corporation, obviously, because it's a and they're, and they're going to be taking the money that you donate to Beto O'Rourke's campaign and giving it to him somehow, right? Uh, but they're like a, they're going to be funneling that money. So I don't know. I mean, there's there's nothing else really on the guy on this website. It doesn't give any of his issues. Uh, it doesn't give any of his camp, like the ideas that he has on there. So it's just a very generic website. And that seems like it's very, very typical. Whenever the, a lot of these campaigns, what they've done is they put a very generic donation page out right off the bat. And then about a week or so later, they'll release you know he might release like beto for president.com and that'll be his his campaign website will ha he'll have his issues on there 
uh, the things that it is running on. So we'll see if that comes out, and I will keep you guys updated uh, as that happens. But what I do want to do is try to figure out a little bit about this guy on his voting record and see where he stands. So I'm going to go ahead and hop onto a couple other pages and see if I could find any good information for you guys. New York Times actually posted an article yesterday whenever he announced, and it says uh, March 19th, 2019. Uh, where Beto O'Rourke stands on the issues. It's by Maggie Astor. And it says, Beto O'Rourke, the former Texas congressman who just joined the Democratic presidential race, gained an instant following last year. But while he was unable to stand out in the Senate campaign with a broadly liberal message and no signature policy issue, that broad message is not likely to be enough in a ballooning Democratic field. So he had no signature policy issue during his Senate campaign. I wonder, you know, it's just a broad liberal message. So I imagine it was like, uh, Medicare for all, you know, not being racist or something, and uh, and you know, fixing Medicare. I don't know. I mean, that's broad liberal stuff. So gay rights, things like that, right? Okay. Um, yeah, and I probably, I'm sure he took it to Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz is like a big, you know, Christian guy supposedly, and has some very conservative views um, in public, at least. I think that a lot of these people are just hypocrites. But, you know, I'm not sure who Ted Cruz is in his personal life, but public life, he, you know, professes faith and all that. So, um, anyway, so he didn't have any real, you know, signature policy issues in his Senate campaign. But it says, this time the specifics are going to be crucial. Here's a look at where Rourke stands on some major issues. And that is true because these guys have to figure out a way to stand out among a pack of, you know, 23 people. It can't just be who's the prettiest face, the best looking dude. Uh, can't be that. It really won't be. They, they're going to have to make it a point. I mean, obviously, Bernie Sanders has a huge following. He is clearly the front runner on the farther left spectrum. So, and he's well known. So we'll see where that goes for him. But he's definitely going to have to come up with some really, you know, he's going to have to be outspoken. Beto O'Rourke is going to have to be outspoken. He's going to have to figure out how to stand out from the back. So let's see where he is on immigration. As President Trump's proposed border wall has become one of the biggest issues in American politics, O'Rourke has made immigration the centerpiece of his speeches. So he's going to make immigration a centerpiece of his campaign. I'm sure a lot like um, Julian Castro is, and so that's not going to distinguish him from Julian Castro, right? Um, in addition to supporting the DREAM Act and a path to citizenship for undocumented immigrants, he has called for closing the closing of private immigration immigrant detention centers, denounced the militarization of immigration enforcement, and spoken out against the wall. We are not safe because of walls, but in spite of walls, he said at a rally in El Paso last month, held at the same time Mr. Trump was holding his own rally nearby, far from extending the barrier across the entire border, he has said he would like to remove the existing fencing in El Paso, one of the country's largest border cities, in Mr. O'Rourke's hometown. In his State of the Union address, Mr. Trump held up El Paso as an example of the need for a wall, claiming that the city has been one of the most dangerous in the United States until a border fence was built there. But the crime rate in El Paso actually fell long before the fence was built and rose afterwards. And Mr. O'Rourke is holding up the city as an example of the lack of the lack of a need for a wall. Okay, so he said Mr. O'Rourke feels like the city that he lives in, El Paso, is safe and that the 
crime was going down before the border wall went up, uh, and now it's going back up. So that that could be true. I don't know. I don't see any. I don't see any like statistics on that or anything. But clearly, if there's a if there's a city, I've seen the border of El Paso before, um, and there's a main road that runs right along the border. With, like it's a main road with car dealerships on it, the whole nine yards, right? And I would imagine that having a fence along that border could be a good thing if you're just trying to keep people from coming, you know, coming in and crossing the border. I would imagine that would be the case. Um, I don't think a fence makes crime go up, and I don't know if a fence would make crime necessarily go down either. So, but having a border fence uh, at that border would probably, if it's a very busy area, I would imagine that would be a positive thing. I mean, if you have a very busy area of town and you build an apartment complex you'd want to put a fence up around it too out just to keep people out that you don't want in right so i don't know if he's gonna win he's not gonna win nationwide on the idea of removing a fence completely from the border um that's not a winning issue nationwide but in texas in that particular area it probably is um because i'm sure there is a lot of there are a lot of uh, mexican people that live work and even vote in the El Paso area. Gun control. Mr. Rourke arguably first made his name when after the shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando in 2016, he live-streamed the sit-in. He and other Democratic representatives were holding on the House floor in support of stricter gun laws. The Republican-controlled Congress did not pass any gun control legislation then, but Mr. Rourke continues to support similar policies, including universal background checks, magazine size limits, and restrictions on some semi-automatic weapons. He also opposes concealed carry reciprocity, which would make concealed carry permits granted in any state valid nationwide, forcing states with strict licensing requirements to recognize permits from other states. Um, This is one of the National Rifle Association's legislative priorities. So he's totally for background checks and um, having Congress make laws restricting the use of uh, guns, I guess, and that's uh, unconstitutional. So that's why they should not be doing it, and you should have the right to own whatever you want to because it's for the protection of yourself. So uh, that's a libertarian stance on it, but that is a constitutional stance as well. Next issue is health care. Well, Mr. O'Rourke supports universal health care, increasingly a litmus test position for Democratic candidates. He hasn't committed to a specific way to get there. During a Senate campaign, he suggested that universal health care could take the form of a single-payer system or a dual system in which government-run programs could coexist with private insurance. He has given conflicting messages on the most prominent proposal, Medicare for All. In 2017, during his time in the House, he said unequivocally, a single-payer medical for all program is the best way to ensure all Americans get the health care they need. But during his Senate campaign, he carefully avoided those words, calling instead for a universal guarantee, high-quality health care for all. He does support expanding Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act and has urged Texas to do so. Other points in the 2018 platform, including allowing the government to negotiate prescription drug prices with manufacturers, creating incentives for insurers to participate in the Affordable Care Act exchanges. So he's pretty liberal on those. Uh, That's good that he's not saying Medicare for all. Uh, 
he's backing down a little bit. I guess he just wants a little bit of your freedom and not all of it. Um, but anyway, his, I guess his idea is that the federal government should give everybody the ability to get into Medicare uh, and make it a competing system with private insurance. Um, I'd have to go more into detail on that issue because usually when the government is competing with private companies, um, usually it it leads to bad incentives, and that's something that um, I mean. Right right now, you have FedEx, you have UPS, and you have uh, the federal, you know, the postal service, I guess. And if you're looking, I mean, they they all do a good job, an okay job, um, but you'll have you know the federal, the postal service does not run efficiently they're that's a money losing business overall and that is a challenge you're going to have you know bureaucracy and so forth that are going to be making it so that if you did have a medicare for all in the sense of a medicare for all option it's going to be a bloated government project that's going to run deficits and so forth and it's just going to you know it's going to force everybody to pay into the system through taxes for a bloated government bureaucracy that is inefficient. So you have to have a profit motive because when there's a profit motive there, then obviously if it's not an efficient system, it goes away, right? Or you're forced to change to make it more profitable. And that's a challenge, but at least he's not completely saying Medicare for all, but it sounds like he's kind of wishy-washy on that issue. But it could be a winning thing for him. It could make him more of a middle ground candidate and that's what they are looking for right now with the Democrats is someone that's going to take the middle ground as well. Criminal justice. Mr. O'Rourke emphasized criminal justice in his 2008 campaign, focusing in particular on racial and economic inequalities. In an op-ed in the Houston Chronicle, he described his own criminal record. He was arrested once for attempted forcible entry and once for drunken driving when he was in his 20s. Both charges were dismissed and argued that his success since then had been possible because of his race and economic status, the chance that I had and which in which I have made the most of is denied to many of our fellow Texans, is what he said. He called for closing private and for-profit prisons, decriminalizing marijuana, expunging the records of people previously convicted of possessing it, eliminating mandatory minimum sentences for nonviolent crimes, and reforming the bail system so that people charged with misdemeanors would not be incarcerated because of their inability to pay. I agree with a lot of that stuff right there. So criminal justice reform needs to be done um, at a state level mostly, at a national level I'm sure as well. Um, I don't know if I need the federal government to get involved in that, but maybe there's a way for the federal government to kind of nudge these people, these states in the right direction towards criminal justice reform. I don't know. The thing that I say is that from a national level I always think that the government, the federal government should stay out of the state's business and a lot of those things. Uh, but yeah, states are starting, I think I do believe states are starting to realize the, you know, bail systems need to be looked into as well as uh, marijuana, you know, decriminalizing marijuana. That's something that you can do immediately on the federal level, and that would really help out a lot of these people that are stuck in jails and prisons for possession of marijuana and so forth. Um, now we got trade and agricultural agriculture. Many of the Democratic candidates, or like many of the Democratic candidates, Mr. O'Rourke has criticized Mr. Trump's trade policies, including the impos- imposition of tariffs, 
which have hurt some farmers and blue-collar workers in his Senate campaign. He emphasized the need for farmers, calling for a stronger crop insurance program and federal investments in rural infrastructure, including high-speed internet roads and schools. Okay, so he gets he's obviously criticizing Trump's trade policies with tariffs. I think that's definitely true. You should you should in fact uh, criticize Trump for these tariffs because they're not good for the consumers. They're not good for trade, and they're not good for America. So that's uh, definitely a good thing that he's doing. And on the agricultural side, I don't think that the federal government needs to be investing at all. In this stuff, if there is investments, it should be made on the private level, and farmers have access to crop insurance already. Uh, when there's a federal insurance program, I'm pretty sure that it's probably run inefficiently and bureaucratically, you know, bloated just like any other federal government uh, program is. So, uh, why should you know farmers be taxed so they could socialize? those insurance costs on everybody when in reality you know these farmers can insure their crops and then if they have a bad season they have a bad growing season um the risk is there obviously when you're going to be investing money in order to raise crops so you can get paid out if you know the rain or the tornadoes come and destroy your farm Uh, i don't see anything in here at all on foreign policy issues as a congressperson, he probably doesn't get into a lot of foreign policy issues, so he probably stays away from those things when he's talking. But a president would definitely have to have some strength on foreign policy, and my challenge with him is a lot of this, you know, the every solution is a state solution for him. I see that a lot. I do like the idea of him um, looking at criminal justice reform as well as getting rid of some of these tariffs. That's a good thing. So we'll say that that's the positives. I don't see anything, though, on foreign policy. And I personally am a foreign policy, you know, I I would, if I was a voter, I would be a foreign policy voter. And I would be looking at people's foreign policy heavily. And I'm sure that'll come out more as the campaigns move forward. And I will bring you more news about that when it comes out than what his foreign policy is going to be as a liberal as a Democrat, hopefully he would be more, you know, critical of America's foreign policy and lean more towards anti-war. The thing that I am, the thing that I am um, very critical of, though, is even Barack Obama was the anti-war candidate, the skeptical of our foreign policy candidate back in 2007 and 2008 when he was running, yet he still did not pull out of Afghanistan or Iraq. He did wind down for a few because he was forced to. Obviously, that was the rules that were in place in Iraq already when he came into the office. But then they did go ahead and invade Afghanistan. Or not Afghanistan. They they went ahead and invaded Libya at that time, overthrew the government there. You know, got tied up in Syria. Things like that. Increased the troop presence in Afghanistan and in Iraq during his candidacy and went ahead and increased the drone campaign. So when you have a Democrat that does not make that the idealistic side of their campaign, I get a little bit skeptical of somebody that makes that the last thing on their campaign page is the foreign policy issue. Because if you really look at it, 
it's a thing that you could run on well and and get a lot of votes if you can you know talk about it in a concise manner with the American people, right? Because that's the one place where if you pulled the troops out of Afghanistan and if if you pulled all the troops home, you could use that money for something better. If you're, I mean, if you're a Democrat or Republican, that's what you can say, right? Well, let's take all that money and use it to build roads and pay for school and pay for college and pay for this and pay for that and pay for another thing, right? Um, that's what you could do if you were, if if you made that the centerpiece of your campaign. But none of these, most of these people, they want to stay away from that. That's a another third rail in some ways. I mean, if you criticize anything about the foreign policy of America, a lot of times you're beat up and you know tarred and feathered for it. And then if you decide to speak out against Israel, oh my God, look what happened to that one, you know, that the um, Muslim uh, congresswoman who decided to do that, they totally took her words and spun them around and said that she was, you know, uh, anti-Semitic by speaking out against, you know, saying that Israel should not have, you know, Israel's money should not be influencing our politics and then they call it or anti-Semitic for it. So they will beat you up if you decide to speak against anything. So Beto O'Rourke, it doesn't say anything about him in this uh, news article about his foreign policy. Um, but I'll let you guys know what I hear more as he uh, as he comes out, you know, with a foreign policy agenda. I guess. All right. Oh, and look at that. Look at that. Right at the end of the podcast, I was about to wrap up. And I found his campaign website. It says BetoRourke.com. It says Beto for America. And that's it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I thought I had more, and I do not have more for you. Because when you go to Beto for America, it, it just might be a... Uh, oh, it's a very basic website. So he might they might have just put this thing up within the last few minutes of me uh, recording this episode. So it just gives you a donate, it gives you a place to shop, and it gives you jobs. So if you want a job for his campaign, go ahead and head to betaorourke.com, and you might be able to get a job on his campaign if you really want to. Um, Hey guys, I appreciate you coming out and listening today, though I really do. And thank you so much. If you're a first-time listener, come back tomorrow and you can do that by subscribing to the show. And if you uh, would like to, give me a five-star rating review. Go to my website, ionthempire.com, and follow me on Twitter. That is at ionthempire. And if you will do that and you keep your eyes clear for 2020, I will see you tomorrow.